Hi, I'm Will, a bilingual English teacher and American expat living in Germany. And I'm Brenna, the editor of a literary magazine and a contrarian bookworm. Welcome to Scribes and Bibe, where we get tipsy and talk about etymology. We look up words with weird and shameful pasts or strange and contradictory meanings and then tell each other about them. The imbibing is primarily there to excuse the fact that I can't pronounce most morphemes to save my life. This week, Will makes me play a fun new game where I have to come up with definitions for weird and obscure and new words, and I knock it out of the effing park. Welcome to Scribes and Bibe. I have a word to start us off. Fuck yeah, get some. Okie dokie. This one comes from the French. We borrowed it. Bricolore. It's a noun. Mm-hmm. Can you spell it for me? It's B-R-I-C, like brick, but with no K. O-L-E-U-R. Bricolore. And it describes a person. It actually describes a person who performs a bunch of random menial manual jobs, like a fix-it type of person. And the important part of this definition is they do it ingeniously, which is cool. But there's another definition which usually applies to artists, writers, or other content creators. One who appropriates improvises with a diverse range of existing things, takes those things or whatever in order to make something new, a new art, piece of art, a uh, new piece of literature, new theory, or the creator of a bricolage is a bricoleur. Do you think that's where we get the word bric-a-brac? Ooh. Yeah. Okay, I'm getting yeah, a depreciative is. term for objects having a certain interest from being old, pretty, or curious, but no claim to art from the French a bric et a brac, meaning hmm. at random or any old way. You know, that seems like it is related. It looks like the same root for the first half of bricoleur, bricolage. Mm. And the first definition for bricoleur talks about random stuff and doing it in an ingenious manner. And the bric-a-brac definition is also a collection of random stuff, not necessarily classically artsy, but definitely elaborately decorated this, that, Compositions of feathers. Um, okay, well I've got I've got a fun one. Mm. I want to talk about the word chafe. Yes, I did that yes. today. Gross. <laughs> uh, it is from the thirteen hundreds from chaffen to provoke, to be provoked, to grow or be excited. In the fourteenth century it came from the literal sense of to make warm or to heat, which is where we get like chafing dishes, uh something that, you know, keeps things warm or to warm by rubbing to excite by heat or friction uh, from the old french chauffeur heat warm up or become warm so of course as soon as i read that i was like what the fuck do chauffeurs have to do with keeping people warm unless chauffeurs originally had a very different job description if you know what i mean you know just keeping like, people warm <laughs> yeah 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 you get it yeah so i looked up chauffeur and it is from 1896 meaning a motorist from the French chauffeur, literally a stoker 
or an operator of a steam engine because they were the ones that kept steam-driven motor cars hot. Hmm. And that's how they worked. So like a chauffeur does now mean a professional or paid driver, but in the literal sense, they are someone who keeps your motor warm. Mm-hmm. So just, you know, yeah. All right. I mentioned before we started recording that I have a game that I want to play with you. Yes. And I have a boatload of words, but I'm not gonna, we're not going to use them all up today. And I'm going to throw one at you, and I'd like you to try and smite it to the ground with a definition of your own. I would like to name this game before we start it. Okay, name that game. I would like to name this game Post Hoc Ergo Propter Hoc. Uh, Whoa! <laughs> have, you, have you seen The West Wing? I have not. Oh, that's a shame. In the West Wing, the president has his very, very smart cabinet surrounding him. He says, 27 lawyers in the room. Anybody know, quote, post hoc, ergo propter hoc. And the deputy chief of staff says, uh, post, after, after hoc, ergo, therefore, after hoc, therefore, something else hoc. And <laughs> that is how I feel like I am going to be in this good game. What does post hoc, ergo, propter hoc it means after it, therefore because of it. Oh, wow. It means one thing follows the other, therefore it was caused by the other. All right. Simple. Um, much like the definition for this word, <laughs> except not. It's, it's actually whatever you decide it is. So the word is sonder. And let me know if you actually know the word's meaning. <sighs> sonder. Is this S-O-N-D-E-R or is this S-A-U-N-D-E-R? Ooh. S-O-N-D-E-R. Sonder. I'm going to go with uh, pensive. Or Mm -hmm. maybe it sounds more like a verb instead of an adjective. So I'm going to say to meditate while walking. Ooh, I like it. Sonder. Yeah. Sort of like if you put saunter and wonder together, yeah. Yeah, it's delicious. And it makes sense for the way the word looks. Good. Well, here's the definition. There are three. The first one is the one that is relatively new, fresh, and it describes an emotion that we feel but can't really put our finger upon. Mm. So Sonder tries to explain the way it feels when you walk by another person and you realize they are probably the main character in their story, which is a story that is as complex and as vibrant as your own. Oh, I like that. So while we're while we're playing this game, I have a, a, a specifically German word that I want to just like ask you if you know. Yeah. Um, because this is one of those things where you know like it shows up on a list of words where like English speaking people are like, it's a German word, but I don't actually know if it is. Huh. The word is Kummerspeck. K U M M E R S P E C K. Yeah, Kummerspeck. Thank you. That German, one. most German dialects do a weird thing with S's in front of consonants where they turn it into a sh sound. Mm. The Sean Connery effect, yes. Yes. There are a couple of dialects that don't, but almost mm. all of them do. Anyways, Kummerspeck is the description for the fat that gathers on your body as a result of eating because of worry. Or yeah. it's the fat that comes around just because of worry, but... Eating because of stress or sadness or right, whatever, and then, right? And then getting chubby in that chub is komoshbeck. So I, I, I was told that the it literally translated as grief bacon. Is that accurate? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if you if you're open minded about the definition of grief, okay. Yeah, I yeah. would say stress or worry bacon is more fitting. Okay. 
Anxiety bacon. <laughs> Ooh, yeah, there it is. I like it. Because kuma is much more closely related to the English anxiety or worry or stress. Mm. Okay, back to your words. Alrighty. I'll do, I'm going to do another one. And then once we finish that one, then you can go. Okay. Okay, it's another short word then. And it is opia. O-P-I-A. Is this a trick question? Because that sounds like opium. Hmm. You are the dictionary now. You tell me. <sighs> no, I'm sorry. It's just heroin. <laughs> <laughs> it's just heroin all the way down. <laughs> okay. What? What is its use? Like, what sort of? Uh, uh, to get profession? high. Yes. Oh. <laughs> uh, it is the ambiguous intensity of looking someone in the eyes which can feel simultaneously invasive and or vulnerable. Okay, I can see that from op as in I, optometrist, op, optimist, op, but I'm, I'm not seeing the, uh, the, uh, the rest of it, yeah. All right, well, then let's do another one. Let's do it. This one you can throw a definition at. It's monochopsis. Monochopsis. Yeah. Give me the spelling. M-O-N-A-C-H-O-P. S-I-S. Monochopsis. Yeah, that's, what, that's what I thought. Okay. Um, monochopsis is obviously the process of becoming a reluctant butcher and cannibal. Obviously, it's because you were, you were a chef and you were mm. a good chef and all of the villagers in the land, because this is also, you know, like medieval time. It always of course. Is. It's always medieval time. Right. They they came to you with their boars and 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 um, venison, mm -hmm. and they were like, "Fucking make me a stew, bro!" And you were like, "Yeah, <laughs> I'm gonna do it for you." Yeah, and you're really good at it, and everyone loved it, and they they all loved it. And then your your lord person was like, "Bitch, have you been hunting in my forest?" And you were like, "Absolutely not. I only cook the things." <laughs> that people give me and i don't know where those come from and he's like you know as punishment you're gonna have to kill and cook every person that brought you the illegal meat from my forest and so you have to perform minochopsis you have to cut up all your friends and cook them into something delicious and whoa that the got a hardcore really fast <laughs> <laughs> yeah man that's why you don't see it in everyday use because like most people <laughs> rarely engage in minochopsis <laughs> yeah okay i'm feeling the dark ages with this one as far sure, as that's fair. <laughs> origin uh, and usage goes oh my goodness <laughs> I was so on board with this, and I was envisioning it like, ah, here comes the Lord all lording it over the, the poor chef, and then all of a sudden, yep. awesome. Yeah. Well, I think that the chef turned monochopsier. Um, Ooh, I like it. Would feel monochopsis. It is the sub subtle but persistent feeling of being out of place. After. I think we said the same thing. I think you and I just said exactly the same thing. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I want to hear your words. All right. So my next two are, are less about, like, the interesting etymology of, like, the, the parts of the word and more just about the way the word sort of came to be. My first word is scientist, which if you had to guess, since we're playing games today, if you had to guess when the word scientist came into being, like, just give me, like, a ballpark century. Ooh, 
You go with the 18th. Ooh, very close. 1834. But what's fun is that it comes from the 12th century Latin term uh, scientia, knowledge, a knowing or expertness. But then there were all sorts of terms for someone who does something ending in ist, chemist, artist, etc. And you'd think that scientist would be a natural extension of that. Except that at the time, people who knew more than one branch of a, a sort of scientific field were called, they were called a man of science. So... A man who's a physicist or a chemist or a geologist or whatever. He would be a man of science. Well, I don't know if you've ever ever heard of uh, Mary Somerville. I have But she was fucking rad. She was mostly known as an astronomer. She postulated about the existence of Neptune four years before it was discovered. She cool. translated a French compendium on astronomy into English and then just sort of expounded on it in her own way. She was... Rad, basically. Yeah. And so in 1834, William Wewell was reviewing her book on the connection of the physical sciences, and he couldn't refer to her as a man of science, for obvious reasons in the English language, but he also couldn't refer to her as a chemist, geologist, physicist, or astronomer because she was all of those things. So he came up with the word scientist, and uh, and that is where we get the word, because there was a fucking rad woman, and English is sexist as hell. Well, it's professions, definitely, are, I think. Alrighty, um, I have another word for you to guess. Alright, let's do it. Alright, this one's also a little over the French. Enouement. Enouement. And it's spelled E with an accent, N-O-U-E-M-E-N-T. <sighs> fucking French, man. Mm. I mean, it kind of reminds me of ennui. So let's go with. Hmm. I think it's. I think it's the feeling of taking your infant child to the zoo for the first time and introducing them to <laughs> to an elephant, obviously. And clearly, yes. the moment that the elephant's tender yet frighteningly prehensile trunk touches their smooth baby forehead is <laughs> <laughs> obviously a newment. So it describes the moment? The moment, yes. Yes, okay. the, the sort of tableau of this first contact between this mighty pachyderm and this tiny breakable offspring. A little small primate. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's just when an elephant boops you. <laughs> just the traditional booping by elephant. <laughs> yeah. Um, it actually, before I give you the real definition, what does ennui mean? En ennui. Oh, ennui? Yeah. Ennui is a very French concept. It's sort of like uh, existential despair, but lazier i guess is how i would define it um ennui is just like it's not quite boredom it's more existential than that it's that feeling of sort of listless sort of lack of purpose it's like a really lazy apathy it's it's a very french apathy how about that you know okay <laughs> before i, imagine... I get myself put in too deep here let me just look up the actual dictionary definition of ennui a feeling yeah. of listlessness and dissatisfaction arising from a lack of occupation or excitement which i think is what i said except that i said it better mm? <laughs> <laughs> all right check it out this uh, might be related to that the real definition of ennuiment on ennuiment um it's the bitter sweetness of having arrived in the future 
which would then be the present, seeing how things have turned out for you, but not being able to tell your past self. I can see that being related, yeah. You need to hit me with another word. All right, I've only got one. Term is snake oil. It is from the 1927, meaning a phony remedy in American English. Hmm. Um, (laughs) Okay. So you might have heard of this. A snake oil salesman is someone who hawks bullshit that'll cure all your ails with the idea that like these snakes and their oils will cure you oh my gosh but that's not going to (laughs) but what i'd always just assumed that snake oil was always a scam but this was what was interesting to me uh from 1858 snake oil from georgia and pennsylvania uh, was a folk remedy for rheumatism and gout and it was especially used from like the rattlesnake and it actually had an older use For hundreds of years, the original snake oil came from Chinese water snakes and was used in China as a treatment for arthritis, bursitis, and other joint pain. And so the idea is that the Chinese brought snake oil to North America during the gold rush when they were railroad workers in the 1800s. Americans got the idea and started using rattlesnakes for gout. And then in the late 1800s and early 1900s, snake oil started to become synonymous with a scam because there was no actual snake oil in the remedies being sold so it's not that snake oil itself is a scam it's that there wasn't any snake oil in the scam nice yeah that's just a little uh american history for you our our history of taking something that worked fine and then being like how could i do this but cheaper and less effective (laughs) By taking out the thing that actually does the, the healing. <laughs> exactly. Yes. Placebo effect and just hope hope for that to be really strong. Exactly. Cool. Okay. Yeah. Then may I wrap up with a word? Please. Yes. All right. This one I'll just define. It's German and it is super fun because it rhymes. Mauerbauertraurigkeit. So this is <laughs> tricky. Uh, it means the inexplicable urge to push people away, even close friends whom you really like. And breaking down the word, you've got one level of uh, composite noun, and that is Mauerbauer Bauer and Traurigkeit. Mauerbauer Bauer is a person who builds walls, literally wall builder, Mauer Wall Bauer builder. And Traurigkeit is sadness, it's the substantive form. So it's uh, wall builder sadness. So if you build walls and feel sad, well, that sucks, but you did it. But it's used to describe this sort of weird trend. And this might be something that happens to folk who get bad anxiety, like social anxiety. You end up, I don't know, maybe canceling reservations, events, etc., And you sort of build walls on accident, but maybe it's an a subconscious wish to do so so this is the the germanic embodiment of the simon and garfunkel song i am a rock Hmm. i am an island yeah yeah i love it that's sad it's sad oh you know what as a little cap on this episode just as a lighter tone i did say last episode that i was going to give you my favorite euphemism for masturbation are you ready for it I'm, I was born ready. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, in 1898, in the Farmer and Henley list among the slang terms for masturbation, the term is 
keeping down the census. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> Cheers to all y'all. See you in the future. Yes.